and welcome to a special episode of Legally Bond, a podcast presented by the law firm Bond, Jenik & King. I'm your host, Kim Wolf-Price. We're taping a current events episode today with five questions on New York Governor Cuomo's resignation for Katie Anderson. Hey, Katie. Hello, long time no see. I know it's been a long time. We haven't talked in a while, so no. just... As a reminder, Katie is an associate in our Albany office who practices in our business department with a strong focus on government relations. So that's why we're welcoming her back. I have to say, Katie, I didn't think we'd be back quite so soon. I didn't either. So are are we all surprised? Yes, exactly. So today we're going to focus on some of the basic sort of civic side, as well as what this administration might mean for New York's businesses. All right. For anyone who maybe hasn't turned the news on, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, having a year ago been touted as America's governor, announced this week that he would step down as governor in 14 days as a result of New York Attorney General Letitia James's report that was announced and the findings from that report. So, Katie, 14 days. Why that? And can you give us an overview of what this all means? Sure. So like any good employee, the governor put in his two weeks notice. And as the lieutenant governor, Kathy Hochul, said yesterday in her first public remarks, this was not what she had asked for, but she was willing to work within that time frame and that the current governor, Andrew Cuomo, had said that he will be working to make sure that the transition is a smooth transition. So none of us were really thinking that it was going to be 14 days. There are, you know, certain conspiracy theories that he's going to use that 14 days to do nefarious things. Ultimately, I think that it's going to be a smoother transition to not just have an abrupt end to the end of his administration. There's going to be a lot of staff turnover that's about to occur. The lieutenant governor has repeatedly stated now that anyone who was named in the attorney general's report as engaging in any type of ill behavior will be gone pretty instantly upon her arriving. So she is likely going to be getting rid of quite a few people who work in state government. As you can imagine, with this current governor having been in power for a a decade, most of the people in state government have direct ties to him in some way, shape, or form, including the lieutenant governor. But the lieutenant governor has never been particularly close to this governor, And (laughs) that is something worth noting. Yeah, that's fair. All right. And I mean, I think the 14 days during a global pandemic might help with some of the the transition. And you're right, give her a chance to put people in those positions that, you know, these are leadership roles that she's going to be turning over. So it's it's a big deal. And since we mentioned her, current Lieutenant Governor Hochul is going to be New York's first woman governor. Not kind of how we want it to happen, right? But it is the case. (laughs) That's right. It is the way that it happened. (laughs) (laughs) And also there's a lot. I know these are compound questions. No one's objecting. So we're going to go with it. Um, there's, There's a lot of talk about the fact that she's the first outside of New York City Metro governor that we'll have had in quite a long time. That's correct. She is the first governor from, we're saying upstate broadly, even though there's upstate generally, that's, we have very different regions of New York, but she would be the first governor from upstate New York since for a very long time. The last governor who was elected the furthest north was uh, above Peekskill, and that was in 1922. 
So it's been 99 <laughs> years since there's been a governor with with uh, such significant ties to upstate New York and especially to Western New York. Really, we're entering the the era of Buffalo. And <laughs> Bills know, fans and, and rejoice. Bills fans right. hope you're saying something there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, that's one of the things that's come up as one of the top policy questions uh, for the governor is the creating another Buffalo Bills stadium. That has been something that's percolating through the news. Buffalo Bills want a significant sum of money from the state in order to to stay in New York. The Bills are really the only New York team. They're the only team that has a team that has a stadium in in New York State. So there is an incentive to keep them. They are uh, doing well for once as well. So that that also helps the, the wanting to keep the Buffalo Bills in New York. And I am certain that with a governor from Buffalo, we will be seeing them stick around. Well, that's interesting. That's a good uh, priority, I guess, for New York businesses, <laughs> particularly Western New York. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't point out about the same time, a little bit before we, when we last had a governor north of Peekskill, there was a lieutenant governor named Edward Chenick. That's correct. That's correct. One of our firm's forefathers uh, right. was the was the lieutenant governor, and and here we are commenting on the latest lieutenant governor to become governor. But I think I would be a little remiss if I didn't go over just really quickly background into Kathy Hochul. It won't count as one of your five questions that you can ask me because I brought it up. Yeah, you're welcome. I am a I'm a good team player. So um, Kathy Hochul was born in Buffalo. She was one of six children. Her family was very working class. Her father worked at a steel plant, and she went to college at Syracuse University. She became very politically active while she was at Syracuse University. Uh, one of the things that she did was she successfully ended up lobbying the the university to divest from South Africa due to apartheid in uh, 1979. Um, that is wow. That was early for the. I mean, people weren't divesting quite that early. That's pretty amazing. No, and yeah, she did that, which is great. That was the beginning of her political activism. After that, she went to law school in D.C., remained at a D.C. law firm, and then moved back to Buffalo. She became the candidate on the Hamburg Town Board in uh, 1994 and served on that board until 2007. At that point, she was elected as Erie County Clerk uh, in 2007. While she was Erie County Clerk, she was very active in the community during that time. Uh, this is an extremely, really, it's a it's a conservative district that she was elected in. Absolutely. Um, so it was a surprise that she ended up winning. And then it was a surprise again when she ended up winning the 2011 special election to the House of Representatives. She replaced a Republican who was in that seat who had also done some inappropriate things. <laughs> and so he resigned. Uh, so she was elected in 2011. It was a surprise that she was elected. And she lost in 2012. That district had been heavily redistricted in favor of the Republicans. At that point, she lost to Chris Collins, who ended up having to resign in disgrace and then was eventually pardoned by the former president. So it's a long storied history of, of her career. So after that 2012 election, she went and worked for MT Bank. She was their head of government affairs. She was then approached in 2014 by Governor Cuomo to act as the lieutenant governor. 
really that was seen as a way to court the Western New York vote. Absolutely. Uh, to, yeah. To get people to vote for him because yeah, you, you always have those concerns. So she served as Lieutenant governor from that successful election in 2014. So she assumed the office in uh, 2015 and she ran again in 2018. In 2018, it's it has now come out in recent news stories that the governor actually tried to get Kathy Hochul to run for the seat that she had lost, that congressional seat, and run against Chris Collins again. She politely declined and ran for lieutenant governor again, which ultimately was, was likely a smart move on her part. But that really starts to demonstrate some of the fissures that have occurred between Governor Andrew Cuomo and Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul. The, the governor has always viewed the lieutenant governorship as a threat. That comes from his father, Mario Cuomo, as governor, viewing whoever was in the lieutenant governorship as a threat. And so he was concerned, likely concerned, that she was going to be running for governor against him at some point. And that is why you've seen the lieutenant governor really travel across the state on a crazy schedule. She has crisscrossed New York forward and backwards numerous times, countless times, really. It is common for her to go to every single county in the state for events. She has been the one talking about what the governor's priorities were in those districts. So promoting paid leave, promoting the increased minimum wage, promoting other types of activities from the governor's office. And so she has traveled across the state. She has met with tons of people across the state, which ultimately may end up being one of her most beneficial assets is that she knows nearly every leader in New York state. Yeah. And she's not, not only is she smart and capable, but she's not unaccustomed to the controversy that just happened. She can weather that very, very well. And I have to say for the New York State Bar Association Women in Law section, she's been a great supporter and always makes time. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how we move into her administration. I have to ask this question because I've seen some mixed reporting. What have you heard about some type of impeachment hearings or otherwise going on regarding Governor Cuomo even after he steps down? So there is an appetite by Republicans to continue with the impeachment process. There's an appetite by the progressive wing of the Democratic Party to continue with the impeachment process. But the establishment Democrats really don't want to do this, especially given that it appears that they are going to have to take, the legislature will have to take a much more active role in combating against COVID in the next few yes. months. Because remember, as as you would have learned in our prior episode of, of our wonderful podcast. Which we hope you've tuned into. That's right. I will be personally offended if you haven't. <laughs> Leave that as the review. <laughs> But the governor position no longer has that same power that Governor Cuomo did in March of 2020. So the legislature will have to really take a more active role in trying to help people during this phase of the pandemic. The legislature has already passed a bill that would allow for electronic notarization, for example. That was something that was 
allowed under these executive orders. That has yet to be signed. The legislature, there's been a big push by the state Senate to pass liquor to go, which was allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that has really stalled in the state assembly because there tends to be a almost prohibitionist vein in the state assembly. That I'm imagining that there's going to be a lot of pressure on the legislature to come back and do uh, their jobs. So that is going to be a dynamic to watch. And that leads me to, to think that there is not going to be the number of legislators that want to impeach Governor Cuomo. It's just people don't want this costly distraction. There is obviously a precedent for impeaching officials once they have left office, as we saw with the the federal government this year. Right. Um, but state impeachment process is different from the federal impeachment process. They are distinct areas. And the only notes that we really have about impeachment, they there are some that come from 1856, oh. uh, 53, excuse me, that say that <laughs> they have two opinions about impeachment. One is that you can't impeach an elected official after they have left office. And then the other is also that you can't impeach an elected official after a re-election, which is an interest. Right. So that's, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're dealing with here from, from New York state. In terms and the of- other difference is we have someone who resigned, who stepped down. Correct. We do. So, um, so that's sort of res- like in some people's minds. Okay. That episode is, we're going to close the book on that. Yes. And I I do think that we will continue to see investigations into Governor Andrew Cuomo's book deal. We're going to continue to see investigations into the use of state resources to fend off federal investigation into nursing home deaths and to fuddle with those numbers. One of the questions asked of the lieutenant governor yesterday during her, her first press conference was, what is your administration going to do about the nursing home death numbers? You know, and she said, from day one, we are going to have full transparency. So to to everyone watching, it appeared that there's no longer going to be this weird number gap between New York's numbers that show how many people died in nursing homes versus the CDC's numbers that say significantly more people died. Right. Um, because New York doesn't currently count people who were in nursing homes who went to hospitals and died in those hospitals as nursing home deaths. So that's yeah. likely going to change. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've answered sort of a lot of my next question, which was going to be, what does this all mean for the pandemic response? But I think a key point just to highlight again is it means the legislature is going to have to get back in session more often, which they didn't have to do when Governor Cuomo had those special powers. Yeah, that's correct. And it will be the lieutenant governor was just on the Today Show this morning. It was her first major news sit down interview. Um, She did do one with the Buffalo News last night. But on the Today Show, she said we can and I can. The direct quote is there will end up being mask mandates. She was discussing mask mandates for schools and that she is watching COVID infection rates like a hawk. She you know, I, I do expect that we're going to see a more top-down approach to this pandemic again, and that she's going to work very closely with, with the Department of Health and with legislators and with the Department of Education to make sure that this happens, right? Um, rather than relying on county by county. Things at this point, most counties in New York meet or exceed the recommendation by the CDC to wear face masks. 
uh, in those places. So, so she will be likely taking a very different approach than we've seen over the past six months. Yeah. And even in the last few days, we'd heard New York Ed was going to issue guidance, then they weren't. And then since this resignation, we've heard they are again, and there will be guidance for schools coming out from DOE. So you can see those types of changes coming down. And she's been watching this the whole time. So I think the soon-to-be governor, Hochul, will, will have a good handle on how to handle this. But the legislature, you know, they're done for the year. They thought they thought their session had ended, but they're going to be back. <laughs> well, the the positive thing about the New York State legislature is it is a full-time job. Really, mm-hmm. even though you can have outside income as a legislator in New York, it, New York is one of the few states that Very actually... Few. It pays legislators enough that this is their full-time job. Other states, right? You look at like New Hampshire, they have a 500 person assembly. They, it's a crazy amount of people that they have in there and they pay, they don't pay them. They, they don't pay them anything. So why would you wow. expect them to take an active role right. versus here? We basically have a Congress and, yes. and we yeah. expect Congress to act. And <laughs> the same thing here, we should be expecting the legislature to act, but one of the the problems that were or issues that we're seeing come up now is our discussions about how much authority the governorship has in New York State. So in New York State, much of the policy is driven by the governor's office. The governor's office right. is fully in charge of the budget process, which is really quite a, a extraordinary power. The governor has to publish what the bills are that will be in the budget. And then from there, the legislature has to amend those bills. But look at how Congress passes a budget, right? We've seen that happening over the past few weeks in Congress. And Congress is the one that drafts the text of the legislation because it's their job as legislators to legislate. But in New York, it's backwards. And once Congress has drafted that, the president has been actively involved in those negotiations, but wasn't the one who put out the text at first and said, respond to this, legislators. There's a lot of talks that that may change. There is an appetite by state Senate, especially, to, to take this up take up that bill. Yeah. I feel like for some reason that I must in full disclosure, say my first job out of undergrad was working for the New York state assembly and living this for several years. And it'll give my age away that under one particular governor, I had to carry 19 pounds of line item budget vetoes after the legislature totally changed his back to the office. So yeah, it's an interesting process, but it is a full-time legislature, they can be called back in at any time and they're very much expected to be there when that happens. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So overall, should New York businesses think of this as an administration change in the broader sense? And will the next year be significantly different from the regulatory and or executive side? So there's a few things to note here. I, I will start with saying a quote that Kathy Hochul said yesterday, the lieutenant governor said yesterday during her press conference which was, by the end of my administration, whenever that ends, no one will ever describe my workplace as a toxic work environment. So we are going to see, and how she held that press conference yesterday is extremely telling about how she is going to run as governor, how her management style is going to be. Governor Andrew Cuomo, when you watch those press conferences, you know, with him, you just hear reporters shouting over each other constantly, just, and whoever gets the loudest shout in is the one whose question was answered. 
But with Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul yesterday, she had a list prepared of reporters to ask questions from. Those reporters were all local news reporters across the state. You had smaller news outlets in New York City being asked questions rather than large national outlets like the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times asking, getting those questions. Because while those newspapers are obviously extraordinary, local news reporters are are very important and have extremely important questions to ask for their areas. And so the fact that she came out with this list, and then at some point there were some technical difficulties, the Zoom people couldn't ask the questions. And so the reporters in the room started shouting over each other again. And she just interrupted them and went, this isn't going to work anymore, folks. Like, we're not doing this. And um, she resumed going down her list to ask people questions at that point. And how she held that press conference was extremely different. She wasn't sitting down behind a table flanked with advisors. She was standing at a podium giving a press conference like most press conferences are given. Right. But turning to regulatory and, and a type of administrative changes, we're going to see a lot of turnover. Like I said, you can expect that the head of DFS or the head of Department of Financial Services, Linda Lacewell, who has been a strong Cuomo staunch, ally, yeah. staunch, yeah, about as staunch as you can get, she will be gone. When? That's a great question. That agency is extremely important that there is not too much turbulence that occurs there. Because right, no gap is good. Right. You can't, you have to make sure that things are stable at the Department of Financial Services because the Department of Financial Services oversees Wall Street, which, and that makes it one of just a little thing for the country. Well, or globally, right? Yeah, it right. makes it one of the most important global financial institutions. So there can't be a ton of rigmarole that happens over there. It needs to be smooth sailing, but we can expect that she will be gone. There will be others that, that will be going as well. I anticipate that quite a few of the commissioners that Absolutely. are in, in places, they they a lot of them may leave, but I imagine that quite a few of them will stay for a while, and we will see more and more people leaving throughout the next few months. What is difficult here is she will be asking people, look, I have employment for you for 15 months, not for four years. And that can be difficult. But she did say this morning on the Today Show, I will be running for governor in 2022. Obviously, her position now will put her as the front runner in that race. No one else has really thrown their hat in. We can expect that there will be challenges, primary challenges to her. But I imagine that whoever she chooses as lieutenant governor, she will choose somebody to try to head off the, the progressive side of the Democratic Party. It's just my my take on it. It seems very likely that she will try to shore up progressive support as quickly as she can because of her roots in conservative area of Erie County. Yeah, and probably someone from downstate as well. Yes. From absolutely to make absolutely. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's it, going to be interesting, Kitty. I don't know how many special episodes you'll be back for over this uh, next year. I have a podcast, Mike, so I'm ready to go whenever. You know, I'm so I'm excited. <laughs> Not only, of course, will we have with the administration change here in New York State for the the governor, but of course, our someday ending pandemic and that's impact on New York and the country's businesses as well. So we'll be sure to call you back in as things change. We really appreciate you coming in, Katie. Always happy to help. So, all right. Well, thanks for making the time to update us. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks, Katie. 
Thank you for tuning into this special episode of Legally Bond. If you're listening and have any questions for me, want to hear from someone at the firm, or have a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at legallybond at bsk.com. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Legally Bond wherever podcasts are downloaded. Until our next talk, be well. Bond, Shenick, and King has prepared this communication to present only general information. This is not intended as legal advice, nor should you consider it as such. You should not act or decline to act based upon the contents. While we try to make sure that the information is complete and accurate, laws can change quickly. You should always formally engage a lawyer of your choosing before taking actions which have legal consequences. For information about our communication, firm, practice areas, and attorneys, visit our website, bsk.com. This is Attorney Advertising. Thank you.